Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Well, here we go. Your lunch hour underway. and You've got it right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Thanks so much for tuning us in. Busy show. We've got our NHL insider, Eric Tehachuk, coming in about 1230 or so. Uh, we're also joined by our co-host, Peter Klein. Peter, how are you? I'm doing well. It was a, a fun game last night to watch and uh, looking forward to breaking it down for the next few hours. Yeah, it um, got a little feisty, little uh, yeah. little edge to it. There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, No, nope, I'll never complain about that. Yeah, not bad at all. Lots to talk about with Peter Labardius. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lots to talk about with Lubo and Peter. Um, Going to talk a little bit about the Flames. We teased it uh, last week about, you know, the draft and, and where the Flames might go and what they might pick and what they need, that kind of stuff. So we'll get to that. But let's talk about last night, boys. Uh Lou, that game had some edge to it, and I think that's just fine. Weird to see the Stanley Cup final in September, but I think people like that style of hockey. And uh, not surprising, Tampa Bay came back really strong in the first period. Not surprising, Dallas clawed their way back. Well, indeed. Um, It had a little of everything, and you talked about edge. It had bite. It had great physicality. It ended up being... A very, very even game. Tampa knew they had to respond. They didn't want to go down two to nothing, obviously. And I think a big, big factor in the game was Kelly going into last night. Tampa did not have a power play goal in their last 14 opportunities. So when you think about the type of skill and people that they run out on their two units, especially their first unit, um, those numbers certainly would not be acceptable for them and to pave their way to a 3 nothing lead based on two power play goals, you know, accomplished a lot, and they were a dominant team with those power plays. Then, guess what? Uh, the power play chances went the other way in the second, and Dallas, in part with some of those extra opportunities, clawed their way back and had 18 shots in the period. It was a terrific hockey game, 101 hits. 5150, 31-29 the shots, 5149 as far as percentage in the face-off circle. I would suggest that uh, you like numbers, no matter what you like, there was a lot to like about last night, and there was not a lot to decide between the two teams when it was all said and done, despite the fact that Tampa got out to a 3-0 first period lead. Here's my overall take when it was all said and done. Hope you like game seven. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, there's no way now having said that, you know, anything can happen, but this, this PK, this seems like it's going six, seven, right? It, it oh, feels absolutely. that way. It, yeah. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, it just, it, it felt so close, right? Like, uh, like Lou said, that these two teams have kind of exchanged um, dominant periods where you have Tampa Bay with the 22 shots uh, a couple nights ago. And then last night, the Dallas Stars counter with 18. But aside from that, it has been razor thin, I, I thought, this whole series. And I think when you look at what's going to separate these two teams, Tampa Bay getting that power play going is huge. When, when the... The margins are so razor thin. Getting some goals on special teams with that man advantage is going to be, I think, absolutely crucial in this series. But no, I, I think 
Uh, well, we're not going to be without hockey for uh, another week <laughs> or so because uh, I think this is going to be this is going to be a long one for sure. Yeah, it it doesn't seem that way, does it? Um, and here's a couple of notes though that I think are pretty important. So Blake Como takes a pretty hellacious hit in the second period, and we talked yesterday about you know just the effectiveness people like he and Cogliano and whether it's been Dickinson or especially when it was Faxa. Um, Como didn't look good. So there's another casualty that potentially Dallas is dealing with. And to begin last night, all of a sudden, I almost forgot Jan Ruda was part of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He appeared, no Luke Shen, no Zach Bogosian. So, you know, even though it's being played in September and even though, you know, the playoffs have been so, so different and performed in a bubble, don't tell me that uh, the injuries and the toll that it's taken isn't adding up. You know, I yeah. guess it doesn't really matter what time of year or what time of break. When guys play this hard for two months, it takes an incredible physical and mental toll. I just wonder what's going to happen, guys, um, Friday, Saturday, those back-to-backs. That's going to be something like who who's going to be left standing after after Saturday night, Peter. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like one of those ones where we're going to see a, a few different bench guys. Maybe that's where guys like Bogosian and Shen check back into this series just for some kind of fresh legs. And looking ahead, um, I wonder if that's the the second half of that back to back is where Steven Stamkos drops in from the rafters and uh, all of a sudden uh, makes an impact in this. I think that would be if Tampa Bay can afford to hold off on him until then, I think that would be quite the card to play in the second half of a back to back. Guys, I think the one thing that you can't forget about, and this is just needless to say, I don't play the games, but have traveled and done a lot of things over the years in regards to back-to-backs. I do think the fact that you don't have to travel in this situation really helps the cause. I I absolutely do because, you know, those situations, you know, that we see, because guess what? Under normal circumstances, you don't see a lot of back-to-backs in the playoffs period. Um, you know, that's just used to in the seventies, Pete. (laughs) Yeah, we know. No, we did. We did. Cause remember Cal in the seventies and maybe into the early eighties, you'd see four games in five nights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and on and honestly, I'm glad you went there and here's why I'm glad that you went there. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a factor and I'm not saying that maybe at this point of the playoffs, it's not even potentially a bigger factor But I do think sometimes that the mindset, which controls a lot, has become, you know, we just ask players of today to do it differently. And you know what's kind of odd to me, and I don't know if I've ever thought it quite like this, I I would make a pretty strong argument that players of today have never been fitter, healthier, and better looked after, and yet we don't always ask them to be in those hard situations Yet for the older guys back in the old days, we didn't seem to have a problem with that. Don't yeah. you kind of find that somewhat interesting? Yeah, and the balance of, of, of play was so much different, too. There were some really bad teams back in the 70s and early 80s. So there we are. We're, we're tied at one. Uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas head coach John Cooper. Like, they talked to him after the game, and he said, yeah, it was absolute slugfest, and uh, that's just 
that's just the way that hockey game was. The intensity of today's game, this is only game two. Uh, I can't imagine how this is going to continue moving forward, but uh, both teams want to win. And, and you, you have to stress to your team, you got to play between the whistles. And for the most part we did, but you know, we got caught up, you know, once or twice afterwards. And, and it, it just goes to show like teams want to win and they're willing to do anything and they don't want to be pushed around and teams have to stand up for for themselves. Like, you can't go into these with, uh, you know, bring a knife and they bring a gun. Um, I mean, you got to load up too. So um, it's, it's tough to control because as coaches, you can preach it all you want, but you're not in the trenches there. Uh, but our guys have been pretty good about that all year. And, and uh, like I said, you got, you got to stick up for yourselves and, and not give the other team an inch. And for the most part, it usually works out for us. You know, one occasion it didn't, but uh, we got through it. Coach Cooper thinks it's going to be a long, uh, long series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he sure does. And, um, you know, the other part that we haven't addressed today is the one thing that I really wondered, um, and I think we've seen it in, in part, is just that, you know, the play has had an opportunity to really ratchet up in, in many aspects because of the break. So even though we're talking about the toll that is taken, um, last night to me, was everything you could ask in playoff hockey. And, and what do we love most as sports fans? Well, we love competition, I think. I'm not quite sure anymore what everybody loves. That seems to be, uh, you know, very debatable and quick to debate for people about what they like and what they don't like. But when there's great competition and it's accompanied by great passion, you usually get pretty great results. And I thought the game last night in a nutshell, had all of those things. It is Hockey Central at noon right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Kelly Kirsch, Peter Labardius, and Peter Klein as we talk about uh, last night's game as Tampa Bay evens up the series at one apiece uh, with a 3-2 victory. Now they uh, get ready for game number three. That'll be tomorrow night. We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. And then uh, back-to-back nights, Friday and Saturday, uh, 6 o'clock starts to see where this series goes from here. And it is, uh, yeah, we're talking about the Stanley Cup final in September. Normally we're talking about, you know, preseason games and that kind of stuff, but that's the way it is. Had the awards handed out, but not the way they normally are. Uh, some winners last night. Lou, give me your thoughts on, on what you saw. It was nice to see Cam McCarr, the Calgarian, winning, uh, winning the Calder. You know, as we discussed, Kelly, on the show yesterday, just, you know, how close, um, so much of it had to be in all the different categories, I, I think, really spoke volumes. So um, I said it yesterday with Mr. Klein, and I repeat it today, and that is no matter how it went, I truly thought that, you know, the results were going to be very acceptable in all the different ca- categories. It was, it's, it's always pretty neat, um, at least for me personally, to watch the growth of players and have a chance to, you know, in the case of Kale McCarr, see him starting in Bantam and then, you know, through his time at the next level, the, the now under-17 level, I think, is the technically acceptable term to call it. Then, you know, to Brooks and the AJHL and watching him at the World Junior in 2018 and, and now to this point, um, you know, saw with my own two eyes his first ever NHL game, which just happened to be right in the thick of a playoff series last spring against the Calgary Flames. An incredible talent. Um, 
so many, so, so many great talents and, and hard decisions in all those categories. And in the case of Makar, um, I don't know what, Kelly, how, how can we ever predict? And, and I know this is probably, you have daily conference calls about things like when is the next season going to start? How do we prepare for it? What can we expect? But in the case of Makar, if there is a 2022 Winter Olympic Games, yeah. I think he's going to have strong consideration to play for our country. I really do. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where he's ascended to for me. Yeah, as coach, they were uh, talking about it last night. He's uh, you know 22 going on 32, thinks the game at, at, at a very high level for a very young age, which is which is neat to see, right? You don't necessarily see that all the time. And nope. uh, and not just because he's from Calgary and he's a really good you know young man, but it's nice to see just uh, you know that hockey acumen so high on on him. What else do you think about the awards, though, Louis? Anything else that uh, that that came to mind? I mean, I, I mean, I I didn't mind not having the uncomfortable award show that we all had to watch <laughs> Me either because you know we work in sports radio and and I it, it's just usually just so awkward and they try to be funny and it's like oh this is bad, but. Um, anything else? I mean, I was surprised yeah. that the, the Predators have never won a Norris Trophy before. It's like, really? But With uh, all those, with yeah. all the great defensemen with Weber and Suter going through there. Lots and, of nominations, but, and, uh, and, yeah, but they finally won one. Yeah, they've uh, been pretty good at finding defensemen in Nashville. It'll be interesting to see when they pick in the 11th or 12th hole this year, um, whether they go in search of a forward or whether they go back to defense because they'll have some very, very difficult decisions. Um, I, I need to ask a question after watching what happened when the awards were over. Okay. Do, you guys, do you guys have a feel for why it becomes so personal in this day and age when somebody disagrees and votes in a different way than we might? I think the so- I just, social I don't media know if you stuff, guys right? Found, People get all wound up about stuff like that. Well, I just it it just and and I don't know, Kelly, if you found it the same way or looked at it maybe the same way or Peter, really curious, you know, with your age and your, you know, demographic. Last night just seemed to be like I just saw attack everywhere, you know, when when it was determined who voted for who and who didn't vote for who and I just, I don't know. I was, it, it left me a little angry. It, it really, like, the inability sometimes to agree to disagree is, it's wearing me out. It, it, it absolutely is. Yeah, I think it takes away from, from the guys who did win and, and just yeah. how, how special. It's just, everybody has an opinion, but I, I find it. PK, what about you? Like, in that terms of, I mean, I know you probably wanted to see, like, in a full award show, like, I know you set your PVR like every every June to watch it from start to finish and see which has been Canadian act they have on there. But, you know, other than that, mm-hmm. what do you think of the awards? I mean, to that extent, when they were supposed to be happening back in June, I was just in the fetal position crying because I couldn't see Cuba Gooding Jr. try to do comedy uh, at an NHL award show. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't uh, get uh, enough of that. No, of all the things Show that have happened me the money and stay off the awards. <laughs> Um, but to the, the, the reaction of the awards, I think it's just another bit of 
social media playing into things again. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of nuance to a lot of conversations. You're either with someone or against someone. And I, I just, I've never understood it. And even to the extent, a couple um, couple days ago, we were talking about who would win the Con Smythe if Tampa Bay won? Who would win the Con Smythe if Dallas won? And I said, well, it'd be either Haskinen or Hudobin, which I, I didn't think was a steaming hot take. And someone texted, oh, so I guess Jamie Benn just sucks then. It's like, well, no. Like saying he's the third most important player on his team. There's one award, guys. There's one sucks. award, right? Yeah. We can't give it out to six guys. Exactly. And, and there's just... With 140 to 280 characters, there's no room for nuance. And I think people have kind of forgotten how to debate almost and just take things so personally. There are a few times, like Pat, Will, and I have gotten into it over the last little bit. And once the segment's over, it's, hey, great segment. Because you can actually talk things out and it's that that's, that's what we're supposed to be doing. And none of us get really personally attached to any of the things that we're saying. But people just take this stuff way too personally now and I, I just I will I will never ever understand oh you voted Nathan McKinnon second instead of first in the heart you must think he's terrible I know like, just thought he was the second most valuable player in the NHL this year sorry dude like I just I will never understand <laughs> that reaction yeah exactly it is I, lo- I, lo- I, I love the perspective I really yeah, do no. and 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 uh, I agree. I mean, listen, that's that's what we do, right? Like talk radio without our listeners and without the text line and without people having an opportunity to feel involved. I mean, in its own way, we have very little. So that's always been really, really important. Um, but, you know, things just they jump off your fingers into the public domain so quick and personally without enough thought and and probably in understanding where it comes from you know i just i can't teach it i wish i could teach a class on it and you know what what i don't have strong opinions (laughs) yeah i got pretty strong (laughs) opinions do i get peeved off sometimes when other people don't necessarily see it the same way absolutely but you know again when you have the dialogue and you can be respectful, and you don't always take it personally, um, and you really get to know why somebody feels the way they do, then we can get to a better place. And, and in a weird, odd way to get there, I, I think, I think in, in school, we should, we should have classes about people's ability to communicate with one another when it's hard. Yeah. We don't don't seem to be very good at it. And I understand it's never easy. It's never yeah, easy. Yeah, I the the thing I like to do as a voyeur is when you you read something online, whether it's an article or an op-ed piece, and then, you know, there's always the uh, the comments below and how the argument like it's not they're not even commenting on the story anymore. They're just insulting no. each other. It's like how did that how did that happen? Like what are you talking about, right? But that's that's what that's what I find interesting is in a lot of cases the debates get so personal it it's and and that's what it really tells you in some ways it is personal because yeah. it's very rarely when it reaches that level is it about the subject matter I, I always make a joke with Nat sometimes um, you know we see lots of stuff different and I I always say when somebody's mad because you're not clean enough in the bathroom. Now, 
is it about that, or are you mad yeah. about other stuff? There's a few other things I have in mind, but I, this is going to be the <laughs> <Right>? catalyst. <laughs> right. Not that this ever happened to me. Um, no, or any of the rest of no. us, yes. Uh, okay, well, we ran out of time, and I think we're going to do a whole segment tomorrow on flames and drafting and free agents, because now it's starting to feel a little more real. We're getting there. It is, right? And then you look at where the Flames have drafted and who they've got in the pipeline, who they don't have in the pipeline, what they're looking for. They haven't had a defenseman drafted in a while. Um, and there's some good ones out there, so we're going to dig into that a little bit. And uh, and also, uh, your last point that you sent us on, on your notes today, mm-hmm. and I had, it, it depends on, on the question is, maybe you asked the question, and I'll I'll frame it a little bit. Okay, here's what I've been thinking about, and it's come from some discussions with friends of mine. And and it is as a sports fan, what's really the most important thing? Winning a title and doing whatever it takes, and being as patient or whatever potentially that requires, or being annually competitive or being in the middle. Yeah. yeah. What do you want? What do you want to be? Like what, and again, there's make the playoffs that's gray and make a couple too, right, Yeah. Like that's a gray area because as we learn in sports, you know, the one thing we know is that you can't win unless you get to the playoffs. So that's important. But I always think, you know, like what's the gold standard? So for me right now in the NHL, even if they don't win a title, the it's hard not to look at Tampa as a bit of a gold standard. When you've been in this neighborhood, you know, four times in six years as far as the final four, that's hard to do. Yeah. If you're the Calgary Flames, for the first time in a decade, you made the playoffs two years in a row. And and why I kind of got there is my good buddy Kelly Rempel and I, who unfortunately are both Viking fans. Um, <laughs> that's right. You, you know, he he's at this point in my life, I'm like – I just want them to win a title. I just want to watch my favorite team on Sunday of the Super Bowl, and that's really what matters most to me. But for him, it's kind of like, I just want to be interested so I have something to look forward to and be competitive each and every year. But but that's a real gray area because even when you build it in sports in a great way, that doesn't guarantee what success is. So it's kind of like, what is... What does success look like to to many sports fans? What do you like? What do you cherish the most? Yeah. So let's uh, you know text away on that. We'll talk about it tomorrow because uh, I think we'll get all kinds of different uh, different answers on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lou. We'll let you go, uh, and we'll talk. We'll dig a little bit more into uh, into the prospects and what's in the cupboard for the Flames, who they should draft, who's out there, all that kind of stuff as we get closer and closer to October 6th and 7th and the uh, NHL draft, which is going to be awesome, and we're going to be all over it, looking forward to it. In fact, we've got some uh, profiles, which you were part of, you and Sam Cosentino with Matty yep. Rose. They'll start on Thursday, so it's uh, starting to feel a little real now. So, <laughs> It's okay. Everybody have an awesome day. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Peter Klein, um, how are you? It's Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And what, we're on a scale of one to a thousand. Where is your spicy 
<laughs> level at right now. Uh, what would you say you're probably at? Around, probably around 2,500. Get, yeah. Getting to chat with Lou gets me feeling pretty spicy. Yeah, so pretty yeah, spicy. It's, it's pretty high for sure. So yeah, you're it's, really it's breaking rolling. the charts. So this oh, is yeah. yeah, this is going to be interesting. You're the perfect person to pick our spiciest moment of the week. We'll do that on Friday. Uh, could be just about anything. We've kind of had all kinds of audio gold, and we'll see what it is. We might have not heard our spicy moment yet. In fact, maybe we haven't. We haven't. Uh, oh, we had some basketball. We had some hockey. Hockey. We had some Lou. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens this week. It uh, it takes a real captain to make a bold choice, made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game and listen on Friday as we announce the spiciest moment of the week. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get Eric DeHatchik in here next right here on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, for your lunch hour, talking hockey right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Time for our NHL insider. He's Eric DeHatchik down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I guess the news of the day to get your uh, comment on, a guy that you've interviewed a, a fair amount, Bob Bugner, is the official head coach uh, for the San, ha- San Jose Sharks, uh, a guy that was always so articulate and well-spoken when he uh, when he played and then you know had a pr- really good junior coaching career and, and has had his ups and downs in the NHL. Your thoughts on... On the boogeyman becoming the San Jose Sharks uh, head coach, uh, you know, as uh, permanently now, or not permanently, but you know what I mean. <laughs> as permanent as you can be when you get named as a, in, a, in a profession that, where you're hired to be fired. Yeah, okay, I, I, I do know what you mean. Um, no, first of all, I do think it's a good hire, and, and there's, there's a lot of reasons, including, um, you know, looking at the, the other available options, you know. So there are a lot of veteran coaches out there, like, you know, Mike Babcock and the, the Bruce Boudreaux. The one advantage that Bugner has is that, that he knows that team inside and out, right? So he was an assistant coach there uh, for years, moved on to be the head coach of, of Florida, and then, then eventually came back. But over the course of two separate, you know, turns as, as a coach on that coaching staff, he developed a good relationship with, with Brent Burns. Brent Burns had his best year when Bob Bugner was coaching the defenseman in, in San Jose. And he knows what the, the challenge is going to be. I, I don't think a coach from the outside would, would, would understand that as well. It would take a long time for an outsider to get up to speed. So, so look at the Sharks. Now, a year ago, and people forget this, they were the number two team in the Western Conference, second best record, in, 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 and they had a, you know, a decent playoff run. Uh, you know, everything looked really, really promising, and then it just all collapsed on them. I think internally in San Jose, they're looking at that, that group and they're saying, you know, we gave a lot of money to Eric Carlson. We've got a lot of money tied up in, in Bob Bugner. We've had to, you know, move on from Patrick Marlowe. They may move on from Joe Thornton this summer. It's time to turn it over to the Logan Couture, Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle access. But I think internally, they think they have a good team. So as opposed to a team like Los Angeles that's still going to be rebuilding next year, I think Anaheim is a team that's going to still be rebuilding. I don't think San Jose thinks that way. I think San Jose looks at the Pacific Division, and says, we, we can be competitive. We were competitive, and more than competitive, just a year ago. We have good personnel. If we can stay healthy and if we can get goaltending, you know, we have the group to do it. And so then, do you graft someone from the outside onto that group, knowing that it will take them a long time to get up to speed, or do you, do you go with the devil that you know, which in this case is Bob Bugner, who, by the way, is a very good National Hockey League coach, 
old school in, in the best sense of that term, but has stayed current. And, and I just think that he, he checks a lot of boxes in terms of, uh, of what a coach can do. And I, I do think that, you know, most coaches the second time around as a head coach learn from the experience, the initial experience, because you are a bit like a little bit shell-shocked sometimes, a little bit uh, deer in the headlights when you're a first-time NHL coach. It's different than being a successful junior hockey coach. And I think that the good ones are the ones that learn from those experiences and improve. And so, I, like I said, I think he's, he's the right man at this time for that team. Well, you talked about it, so maybe uh, develop that a little bit. Where do you come out on, on where the San Jose Sharks are? Do you think they're, uh, they're dreaming that they are just a, a player or two or a break away from, from being back in the playoffs? Or do you think they're more like the Ducks and, and the Kings, where they're going to have to take their lumps and retool, and they've, they've spent some money on, on a couple of guys that maybe, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but where you come out on the Sharks? Are, are they close, or are they going to have to kind of go to the bottom before they can come back up again? I, I think everything hinges on their goaltending. So, so Aaron Dell's a, a, a USA. The indications are that he probably won't be back. You have a lot of money tied up in Martin Jones, and it's essentially an unmovable contract. You know, he's someone who has given them you know, some, some very good goaltending over the years, but for the last little while, for whatever reason, just has not been in that in, even in that first half of NHL goaltending. So, you know, the, the, I mean, it's one thing to get, you know, exceptional goaltending. You know, Jacob Markstrom was, was exceptional this year. Connor Hellebuck was exceptional this year. Those two players drove the playoff pushes of, of, of those respective teams. I, I would say that if you assess San Jose's goaltending against everybody else's in the league, you know, charitably, let's call it in the bottom third. It might be lower than that. So I, I do think that something needs to happen there. So either, you know, in this, during this very, very long reset, Martin Jones has to find a way of getting his game back on track because he's not that old and he does have a history of being a guy that has been like a very good National Hockey League goaltender. Or you have to find a solution. And sometimes the solution, you know, isn't obvious until you actually have somebody new and fresh in, in a uniform. But, you know, when, when Arizona picked up Darcy Kemper, essentially, you know, because Los Angeles is trying to rent Toby Reader for, for 20 games, they got a guy that right now is in high demand as, as a trade piece. And, 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 you know, they're sort of the ask for, for Darcy Kemper, if you're interested in bringing him on, is like first and, 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 and then some. So, so there are goaltenders that, for whatever reason, just sort of, you know, are percolating, 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 and then take that next step. Craig Anderson is a perfect example of that. You know, a guy who in his mid-20s couldn't really get going in, in the National Hockey League finally found a permanent place towards the end of his 20s and then, and then stayed another 10 years and, and for a long period of time in there was, was really, really good. So, so they need to find solutions in goal. I think if they do find solutions in goal and if, if Carlson is healthy and if Hurdle is healthy, then I think they've got some pieces. You know, this is a league, we, we say it all the time, this is a league that has great parity. I think a healthy San Jose team with a little better than average goaltending is a playoff contender. Now, you know, lots can, you know, like how do you get on the, the, you know, the, the right side of the playoff line or the wrong side of the playoff line? Most years, if you're in that middle, you know, it's only a few points here, a few points there. So, yeah, I, I could imagine a scenario yeah. where the where the Sharks are. I, I, I can absolutely do imagine a scenario where they're a playoff team next year. But lots has to go right. And the two things are, you know, two really key guys, Hurdle and Carlson, have to be healthy. And this, this period of time off is going to really help them heal. 
and then they need to get better goaltending. And yeah. if you if if they get that, then then I then I think they're a playoff team. Absolutely, I do. Everybody should be healed up. I mean, that is going to be. A, I was thinking about that with with the Kings and Wings and Senators and all these teams, Eric. That that didn't participate in the in the bubble. Man, that it's if they don't start playing till January or February, that is a absolutely long time not to play competitive hockey. That's interesting too. Never never seen before, obviously. Well, yeah, no, yeah, I would say that um, you know the best uh, example there, though, in terms of what we were just talking about, which is you know players recovering from you know serious injuries. Tamu Solani in the in the lockout in two thousand four, two thousand five, and he said this to a number of of people that that saved his career because he was so beat up at that point, and he he he, he was facing knee surgery, wasn't sure whether he wanted to do it, but went ahead with it, and then there was no hockey for a you know like eighteen months really because they missed the entire year. A bunch of guys went over to play in Europe, but but for players like Solani who needed the opportunity to convalesce, they got it. He came back and, you know, a little, you know, obviously rusty, you know, right off the hop, like a lot of people were. But eventually, you know, like he got into the rhythm of, of, of NHL play again because he was strong. And remember, his game was all skating, right? I, you know, you know, finish flash. And, and he got his legs back and he was able to, to, to play another 10 years. So th- there is a precedent. And it's not just him. I mean, Gary Roberts missed a long time and came back and played another 10 years. There, there are a number of precedents in NHL history where a long break has, has allowed someone to not only get their careers back on track, but to extend them for, for long, long periods of time. And I think that that's, that's probably the biggest hope in, in, in San Jose. They gave up so much to get Eric Carlson. You know, in, in about two weeks' time when, when Ottawa drafts third overall, people are going to point out, oh, by the way, that was the pick that was <laughs> in San Jose. So, forgot. so they, they, will get, they will get that reinforced when they either pick uh, – uh, you know, the Suitsley or, or Byfield with uh, with that pick, whoever falls to them, and then 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 that, they'll track that player forever and ever and ever. But but you know, I, I do think time away is going to hurt some players, especially players who were still sort of developing and, and looked like they were going to take a step, and now you know maybe uh, you know they'll, they'll have they'll be in a plateau sort of situation. Uh, but the guys, the older guys, the guys that have been. Uh, you know, beat up, this is going to be good for them. This is going to be good for them. Eric Dachuk is our NHL insider. He's on Hockey Central Noon, also joined by Peter Klein today. Peter. Uh, in the more immediate looking at players who have had a bit of time off, Steven Stamkos hasn't been seen from uh, in this postseason. Uh, he might be making an appearance in the Stanley Cup final now as we get ready for a, a Game 3 coming up tomorrow, Lightning and the Sharks. How much of an impact, if any, do you think a potential Steven Stamkos return could have on what looks like a really close Cup final? Yeah, well, no, I mean, it, it, it's a great point because, um, you know, he hasn't played for a long period of time, so it's impossible to forecast how effective he can be right out of the gate. You know, often, you guys know this, often the first game back after a long uh, absence, you're, you're so hyped up and you've got so much adrenaline that, that you can often be really good. You can often be really good. And then, and then you know, you kind of hit the wall, uh, you know, in game two, game three, you know, going forward. This Stanley Cup final has a maximum of five games remaining. So I, I do think he can be an effective player. I mean, he's a skilled guy. And the thing is, to, like he, he can be a difference maker in, in, in a split second. So, you know, the power play got going a little bit for Tampa yesterday. Hasn't really been as good as they, they usually, uh, as what you usually expect. Partly it's because 
you know, Stamkos from that Ovechkin dot is, is so effective. You know, he should be able to do that. He should be able to come back and, and be fairly effective from that one play and that one position. And, and if, 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 as you say, you know, if in a close series, if you get one or two goals from him that you might not have gotten from whoever he, his roster spot he takes in the, you know, in, in the lineup, maybe that's the difference between winning a series and not winning a series. So, so I, I, I do think, you know, they'll work him in gradually. You know, he probably won't be in that regular spot, but uh, uh, in the lineup. But, but I, you know, we, we've only, like, like you, we've only ever seen those, those little bits and pieces of, of highlights that the NHL releases. But in those bits and pieces of highlights, he looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he looks like someone. He doesn't look like someone who's ready to sit out the next five games. That's for sure. Um, as far as what we've seen from this Cup final series, tied at one with Tampa Bay's win last night. What are some of your main takeaways from the first two games of Dallas against Tampa Bay? Well, you know, I guess you know, first of all, aesthetically, a little better than I thought it would be. I wondered if uh, if this would be you know two different styles of play clashing and 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 turning it into a slog. Uh, you know, just because Dallas is so so good defensively and defends really well. And, you know, in Tampa's whole game is attacking, attacking, attacking. And, uh, you know, but it, it's been, you know, highly competitive and, uh, and hard fought too, which, you know, I guess is understandable. I mean, these teams have, have been at it for a long time since, uh, since, since August 1st, and they can see the finish line in sight. And I think that what ends up happening is you do get sort of a, a burst of energy when you can see the, the finish line in sight. I mean, you know, like I can't even imagine what that life in a, in a bubble has been like uh, for those players. I think it's been challenging. It may seem like, you know, from the outside looking in, well, that's just kind of an idyllic, you know, uh, lifestyle. It, it wears on you, I think, uh, uh, in time. And so um, I, I think that everybody on both sides realizes that uh, this is a rare opportunity and we're this close. And so, you know, to me, I, I've seen an extra half a step. Uh, I've seen the intensity ramp up a bit. There were times in that third round where I thought the games were kind of boring and, and it just looked like guys had kind of hit the wall and they couldn't really see the end in sight. So that seems to have disappeared. And now it looks, it looks really good. And the hockey, I, I think the hockey has been good in the, in the first two games. And I think it has a chance to be inspired going forward. Eric, I want to ask you about a question about get it, get it back to the Calgary flames. Uh, we, we've talked on this segment a few times about, what are they going to do with the goalie situation? Um, do you think there's even a, a hint of a chance that Jacob Markstrom could sign in Calgary and the Flames could do what what they need to do to get him signed? Or is that that's one of those tier ones that they might as well just forget about and and you know uh, put Holtby in that that category too? Where do you come out and where the Flames can and should get? get their their goaltending tandem figured out you know it, it's a great question kelly and i kind of addressed this in, a, in the, the macro issue in a column last week where i worked at the athletic but in terms of specifically for calgary yeah no i do i i, I mean you know for sure you, you know i mean i think we know that you know the the, the management group here the one thing that that all of us like about them is that you know they 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 poke their nose in in every situation. They don't leave any stones unturned, and that's the right thing to do in in, in the way the game is right now. My point with the goaltending thing, though, is that there's a huge domino effect, and so you know, like the first domino that has to fall is something has to happen in Vancouver with Markstrom, maybe similar to what happened with St. Louis and, and Petrangelo. You you have to. If you're a team that is interested in bidding in Markstrom, the first thing that you have to 
No, is is he going to market? Right. So I think that now now we know that Petrangelo is going to market because you know they pushed hard to get a deal done, and for whatever reason they couldn't they couldn't come to terms. So now, if you're a team that was looking for help on the right side of your defense, it's time to you know step up and and mark, you know like sharpen the. the the pens and, and the pencils and, and get it gets the a little more real, right? Like it's like, yeah, how, how can we get it done? So, okay. So, so let's operate on the assumption that it gets to that point. There's a part of me that thinks that is going to push real hard on, on him and he's not going to want to move and he's not going to get to market. And then that will be, uh, and then that will be that, but you know, you're, you're posing a hypothetical, so I'll go with you on it. And, uh, and so for me, the hypothetical is, you know, like what, what, who, what was the last time you had a goaltender here that you could trot out, uh, you know, night after night after night is a defined number one, right? It was Rick Kiprasov. Yep. And so that it's just easier when you're a coach to have that guy at your disposal. And, and to me, Markstrom was that guy. You know, I, I know you hate it when I keep bringing up guys I have on my fantasy team, but, but I picked him up halfway through last year and started really watching, watching him closely. And, and my, my takeaway was, this guy is really good. Like, I think he's a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League. So if he is a top five goaltender in the National Hockey League, and there's no acquisition cost to get him other than money, yes, absolutely, find a way, find a way. Because, you know, if you can solve that problem in goal, then after that, you know, uh, you know it, it's just easier. I mean, it goes back to what we talked about with San Jose, right? I mean, they were... They were a team that, uh, you know, was let down by a goaltending. You know, Calgary's goaltending in the playoffs has been excellent the last little while. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I would be after Markstrom in a heartbeat. But I also think there'll be like 10 NHL teams that are doing the same thing as well. All right. Well, we'll find out as uh, things get interesting in October. Eric, we'll talk to you on Thursday. We'll have another game under our belts in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, who knows, maybe some more trade news and that sort of thing. Thanks so much. We'll talk on Thursday. Thank you, guys. There we go. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, our guest hotline, uh, now open with uh, limited dining service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975. Uh, dine in, take out, get it delivered. 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. It is Hockey Central at noon. We'll uh, we'll tee up what's happening in the afternoon show. We've got baseball for you coming up at 6 as the uh, NHL Stanley Cup Final takes a night off. We'll get back with that tomorrow. Lots to talk about. PK's excited because his Raiders won on Monday Night Football. A whole bunch more. That's next right here on Sportsnet 960. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Peter Klein, Raleigh Pollock with us as well. It is Hockey Central at noon. Uh, last night, Peter, what were you, where were you uh, dividing your attention? Because you had your Raiders playing on Monday night, which doesn't happen all the time in their new, their new stadium. Uh, you had the Blue Jays putting the boots to the Yankees. And then for your job, you had to watch the hockey game. How did, how did you manage, <laughs> my friend? Well, job comes first. Yep. So the uh, the hockey game was on the the TV, had the football game on the laptop and had the Blue Jays game on the iPad. So 98% of the attention was on the hockey game. Uh, and then this morning caught up with uh, Blue Jays in 30 and with uh, a few highlights watching of the football game just to see if there was anything I missed. So I, I, I think I did a pretty good job of uh, spreading the wealth. The Raiders are 2-0. Oh. That's, that's what you missed. How about that? Yeah. 
<laughs> I did not see that one coming. Uh, I don't know if I missed it. I, I just I wasn't even looking for it. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. Uh, now, today is Tuesday, which means, as I know the young guys that work for me, this is a big fantasy day because uh, things happen. So I assume that on your uh, program coming up later on, you guys are going to do some fantasy stuff. Got to be, right? Today's Tuesday? Has to be. Yes, has to be. And this is a, a key day. And I would say not only in the fantasy week, but I would say in the fantasy season because so many key players went down with injuries. So we are very much covering you in the one o'clock hour. Uh, we have a couple experts on chatting some waiver wire pickups, and then we're going to give our own waiver wire ads uh, later on with the three of us, uh, Steinberg, Nalt, and I in the big show. So yes, we we will very much have every aspect of the, the fantasy football situation covered as we enter a very crucial time. Do you want to do you want a tip? Like a little like uh, uh, can't miss tip? Always, yes. Okay. Um, Blake Bortles. <laughs> yeah yeah Blake uh, lock that one in all right yeah yeah I'm, I'm surprised you're giving that one out on the air like that's a, that's a big <laughs> usually, one that you're just giving away I for free people go through my paywall to get that kind <laughs> right. of information oh one my of those goodness. old 900 numbers <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right oh my goodness um and i and i got a little little interesting factoid for you you know okay. i i can't stand wrestling you know that and it's one of our differences mm-hmm. between you and i um but i have a new favorite wrestler though Okay. Yeah, I was I was watching. There's, there's no, you know, I'm actually being serious here. I was uh, at the at the gym kind of late last night, and they had uh, Monday Night Raw on, which is ridiculous with no fans. But anyway, um, <laughs> Peyton Royce. Okay. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a Calgary connection to her too. That is correct. Yeah, she trained with uh, Lance Storm here in Calgary. Uh, he's uh, he has a few people right now wrestling in in WWE and across the planet. So no, that's a, that's a pretty solid one to yeah. have as your favorite. I, there, I can definitely see why. There we go. Yeah. So they're uh, you know okay, maybe a little young for me, but I can I can still be a fan, right? Nothing creepy about totally. that. So yeah, um, no, not at all. No. All right, we will uh, we'll get things going here. Uh, big show set to go. Steinberg and uh, Nalt and Klein. Fantasy football, hockey, it's going to be crazy. It's next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.